Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. How's it going, man? Good. Uh, we're hidden away at Dirtfish. Yeah, we're hiding. No, quite literally. literally. Yeah. So it, uh, we just actually got, uh, we're lucky enough to be able to volunteer for the uh, Women's Day uh, Summit. I should guess it's the Women's in Motorsports Summit. I should get yes. that right. I'll read it off my badge here. Uh, so, yeah. But there was yeah. like, it wasn't, it was about 50 50 men and women in the audience today. All right, let's talk about it. You, I mean, this is your Christmas. It was my Christmas. This is your Christmas. It was. If you don't know, the favorite, Dan's favorite person in the world is Michelle Mouton. Yes. Correct? Okay. Yes, that's correct. Who is probably one of the, the famous, most famous female race car drivers ever in rally. Yes. I mean, pretty much. And Dan, have you ever been in her presence before? Nope. I've never watched you, like, actually, like... like fanboy that's out what before. It must look like to be around me. Like, you seriously were, like, pacing back and forth, and you didn't know what to do with your hands. Like, yes. That was funny. Yes, so, that, was yeah. quite, that is quite true. But uh, I did have a chance to talk to her quite a bit. Thanks extremely extreme, huge thanks to Josie River. Yeah. Let's put that out there right away for making this even possible for me. But it was a, an amazing also, day. she put on this whole event. But other than that, yeah. thank you for making yes. this possible for, for all of this. Yeah, yeah. Josie River, big yeah, shout yeah. out to Josie and the Dirtfish crew for supporting this. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I got to meet Michelle Mouton and it was amazing. Um, the if you don't know, just go Google it. Yeah, go Google Michelle Mouton yep. with one L and you will find one of the greatest drivers in the history of motorsports. And like, yeah, I've had like that little fanboy crush on her since I was a kid because she's amazing. <laughs> she is. They're, no, you're 100% yeah. just. She raced yeah. Group B, which is like the most badass racing ever in the history of motorsports. And she won Pikes Peak. I mean, anyway, she's amazing. So I, I didn't tell you this. So, you know, I, my mom texted me today and she's like, what are you doing? I told her and I, I expressed to her that, you know, her second son, Dan, was meeting his idol today. And now she's been sending me articles all day going, did you see this about her? She's amazing. And I'm like, I know, mom, I'm, I'm standing here. <laughs> yeah. And she is. They say don't meet your heroes, Which is but cool. this was not a letdown at all. She was yeah. so nice and sweet and just amazing. French and nice. I like it. I know. Yeah. yeah she's yep. all class and just super sweet and a huge enthusiast. Like, she would do an autograph, and she wanted to get outside so she could watch the rally cars at Dirtfish doing their hot laps. <laughs> they're, they're rallying. Yep. I would be so intimidated if I'm like, oh, by the way, Michelle's watching you drive, so yeah. don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you didn't see the live stream, I know that I know. They, I think they're going to show it other times, but listen to it. She's incredible. Um, one of her biggest messages out there is, "It doesn't matter if you're a male or female. Just get out there and drive." Yeah, she didn't care. She didn't care if she, you know, she just needed to set the best time. Didn't matter who she yeah. was. So, awesome. just racing other cars and care. Yep. Yeah, she's just beautiful. Her whole take on uh, women in motorsports and motorsports in general is refreshing. And uh, yeah, I just think more of her now, mm-hmm. <laughs> which didn't help. But I had my my poster I had made signed. It was amazing. I've said that word a lot. I'm glad to see you Pretty happy. Pretty overwhelmed. Like, I've never, like, <laughs> she pulled up, and I didn't know, and Dan's hitting me in there. I'm going, look, it's her. It's her. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so. Um, I'm glad. So it's been a great day. Um, about to go home and work on the shop, and I'm mm-hmm. going to be covered in sawdust, and I'm going to insulate that. And Fun. Yeah, things are going coming along well there. And we're talking about monkey stuff. Oh, yeah. We booked our time in McCall for the summer, so we're going to go ride monkeys. McCall Monkey Rally, yep. That's right. So we're going to base ourselves in McCall, Idaho, then go explore the woods on bikes we are way too big for. And it's so fun. And it's- if you saw the video... 20,000 of you. Thank you very much. 20,000 views. I cannot believe that. Like, yeah, which for yeah. us is a lot. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, yeah. Most of the videos I put on the internet don't get those kind of views. So I know, right? Different audience, yeah. but you know. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was cool. Uh, Carter Automotive, Automotive Group tip of the week might serve us well, considering we will have no service for all but like a mile of McCall. Yeah. Um, you sent me this article, and I think I, we'll, we'll, we'll post it up, but basically a gentleman was out in the woods, and he got stuck for a while. Yeah. And he had his drone with him. Mm-hmm. 
And he started to send a text message, and then he tied the phone to the drone, and then he sent the drone up. Yeah, way up in the air until I got yeah. a signal, until and then I sent a text message and yep. told his friend where he was. was. Yeah, and they come in fa- came and they came and they found somebody else. Yeah, on the way to get him. I think that's kind of amazing. Um, I mean, that's technology for you, but I think you wouldn't. You know, we're, we're not saying go out and buy a drone, but it might save your butt. Um, but I mean, I don't have a new fourteen iPhone fourteen. Which yeah. you, if you do, you have satellite SOS, or if you have the watch. We both have yeah. the watches. Yeah, watches. Yeah, yeah. But which is really cool. But if you don't, um, I oftentimes have my drone with me when I'm out playing in the woods because it's just fun to take drone shots when you're in the yeah. middle of nowhere in nature. So I'm like, huh? I never thought about that, but that would actually absolutely work. Drone, some duct tape. Way to go. Yeah, I think yeah. you like tied it to it in a, and with some zip ties. I, th- I think, I mean, it's thinking outside the box. And I think that's yeah. what we always talk about is when you have your gear and the fact that you may use something for something that's totally not meant for. So, yeah, I mean, you can man, imagine what you can do with duct tape and zip ties. You know, it's stuck in a, stuck in a home rally. I'm sorry. Like stuck if in your the woods, Avant yeah. sign keeps falling over, you can grab a zip tie well, from yeah, Dirtfish that's and not, zip tie that's it to not, your tent. Chrissy did her best. <laughs> the wind is whipping in here at Dirtfish. So, yeah. Yeah, but we had a nice break in the weather for the event, so I think yeah. uh, the weather gods were smiling on Josie. Weather gods, yes. Yes. But we have a guest today, because mm-hmm. of course it is Women's Month, and we're continuing that theme. We have a guest who has worked in the industry for a very long time, and as far as your LinkedIn, I can tell that your entire life, basically. Yep. And you have some amazing stories, and you're currently in the industry and on the Forza side, so you're close to home here. And we are at Dirtfish, like we said, where you also used to work, so welcome to the show, Megan Zelud. Thank you. Appreciate That's like it. Quaalude, but not. But not. Yeah. Or like Prelude. Are the, oh, yeah. Megan Honda Prelude. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that is my full name. <laughs> so, Megan and I, I don't think we, we met that last weekend, right? Like the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And Adam didn't know that we had, we, were, we had scheduled to do this interview last week and Dan was sick. And Adam, you had met up with Adam and Adam's like, oh yeah, you did the interview. And she's like, no. And then she comes up to the table with me and I'm like, I really want to talk to you and I want to ask you a bunch of questions. But if I do that now, I won't ask you any. <laughs> so then we had this like weirdly awkward conversation and then we both left. Yeah. That's so, great. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah thank Keep you. it very yeah. surface level. It was. It was like, yeah. I have so many things I want to say. But <laughs> Let's practice exciting. small talk. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, our, our, the way we do things. But uh, talk about So, obviously, you love motorsports. I mean, and just so we're clear, she's sitting here. And I, is this a vintage Subaru jacket? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is from, and, yeah. yeah. This is from the old Subaru World Rally team Yeah, um, back when they were in existence. Um, so, so I, I wanted to wear this today because Steve Rimmer, um, mm-hmm. owner of Dirtfish, actually gave this to me back when I worked here years ago. Okay. And I've, I've worn it quite a bit, but... Um, now it kind of just hangs on my wall it's as a decoration. It's so classic and, and so cool. Thanks. Yeah, I love so it. Absolutely love it. Thought I'd get it out in case he was here today. And he was. Yeah. Yes, I he know. was. Yeah. So let's talk about your love of, of motorsports and things like that in cars. Like, did that come as a child? Like, were, were you raised in, a, in an environment that were love of cars? Yeah. Yeah. So I started karting at age five. Um, and a lot of that credit goes to my dad. He's the one that got me and my brother into karting. Um, my dad started the Stars of Karting, or excuse me, Snap-on Stars of Karting um, regional series. And so I grew up traveling to different um, tracks with him and then getting to get out on the track for the kids' races. So the whole family raced. Did your dad race too, obviously? Yeah, okay. the whole family. Okay, yeah. wow. That's, yeah. That, I, that is a childhood that I think would be fun. Like, we're all going to the track and everybody's yeah. going to race. Cool. And your first job, at least I saw it back, was at PGP. Uh, first, per my LinkedIn, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We read those. Yeah, we yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. I was very curious about like what your background is. I knew you worked, I mean, obviously PGP for a while, but I mean, yeah, um, Bob Bondurant, I mean, 
Yeah, yeah. And disclaimer, so the PGP uh, portion started as child labor. Um, <laughs> uh, Most good jobs do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, our family owns PGP. So um, I grew, uh-huh. up, grew up running around that area before we even broke ground on the track. My brother and I would run around out there. And, That's adorable. Um, yeah, yeah. Track so. layout. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's where that one came from. So it's on my LinkedIn, but yeah. Well, it still that's, certainly counts. Yeah. I was doing uh, weekend work there and working the front office while going to school and getting my bachelor's degree. So nice. kept me sustained. Those new, I mean, what, what are they called? Where, where were we at with the colors? What are the, what is that area called? The new stuff that they built out there? Oh yeah. The, the hang- hangers or paddock. Hey, I don't know. Absolutely what cool. Like yeah, it's such a neat great. area. So mm-hmm. yeah, we had a lot of fun, but. Yeah, the yeah. tracks around here are really blowing up because, I mean, uh, between Pacific. We're finally getting noticed. Yeah, now yes. the new track at Bremerton. Yep. Um, the, what, what are they calling it? The uh, Circuit of the Northwest yep. is mm-hmm. coming up. Like, I mean, there's a lot. It's a good time to be in motorsports, put it that way. So As long as nobody gives up all of our good, you know, dirt roads that we go right. driving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So, I mean, you, you, you grew up karting and things like that. So you had a love of cars. When did you know you wanted to kind of work in this field? I mean, and you have really done so many things at so many places. Yeah, uh, from a very young age. So recently my mom was going through some boxes of old childhood mementos and getting ready to move over to Wenatchee. And she showed me this All About Me poster that I made in, I'd say, maybe second grade. And it was one of those, like, what's your birthday, your favorite food, what do you want to be when you grow up? And at that time, um, I put a picture of me working on my go-kart track side, uh, maybe eight years old. And what I wanted to be when I grew up was working in motorsports. Um, So when you ask when, I would say, like, before I could remember, it's just always what I've known I wanted to do. Um... And growing up, too, at different phases, there there have been times where, especially my dad would say, oh, you don't want to do this. Pick an easier career where you'll make more <laughs> money or, um, like, give me these little quips. And there was always a tone of seriousness under it. Like, go pick a stable job. Don't don't follow my footsteps. <laughs> like, you're going to get a good bunch of gray hair. And I love you and I know you sleep. can do it, but. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but I I just knew that nothing, nothing in life caught my eye the way motorsports did. And even to this day, nothing feels the way motorsports feels. Um, there's just something special and all sense encompassing about motorsports that makes you, I think, really fall in love with it. Um, I was going to ask what drew, what drew you to motorsports, but I mean... Seems like you're answering that question already. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a combination of the community, the motorsports community in and of itself is so special and unique and vast yet small. Um, but there's just so much nostalgia in being involved in motorsports now and then tying it back to being a kid and being woken up so damn early and going to a track and smelling the gas and being freezing cold and yep. watching the sunrise. Um, but just the sounds and smells and sights of it and the feeling of being there, the buzz before the activity starts. Um, it's just something that kind of bites you and never lets go. So, Wow. 
Yeah. I don't think I could describe it that well. I'm like, I like cars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I love anything that goes fast and makes noise and, and burns oil. But I think that's, you're right. That Especially with the community. I mean, and we're seeing that today, obviously. I mean, this has been an incredible event and talking about bringing people into the community. And that's how small the community is and the fact of like, they're pro rally drivers here and co-drivers and things like that. And yeah. they're just so accessible. And they're, they're, we actually, we were talking about that, like people wanting to get into this and they're saying, just go do that. Like you don't have to necessarily drive a car, go volunteer to be on the course, help things like that. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, the whole environment, the buzz of being at the track. I remember I worked in the motorcycle industry and karting for that matter, actually shifters and um, getting to the track on the shifter days was so fun because it was more, I always like the motorcycle stuff, don't get me wrong, but there's two different vibes. They're not they're similar, but they're also different. And the the karting side reminded me more a little more of the car side. Um, and seeing those things rip up and down the track and watch people get out there and if <laughs> we're talking about go karts. So people in the in the industry know how fast shifters are. Until you've seen one at the track, you don't know how fast shifters are. <laughs> Until you've been in one and you're like ah! literally like holding on <laughs> and yeah. feeling the pressure in your ribs build until it hurts. Like it's I recommend it to anybody because the whole like overwhelming sensation you can't picture until you're in the cart. I get that sensation yeah. when I eat like my ribs. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah same thing. Yeah. Indigestion. It, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like that. I'm a little gluten intolerant, but I love my bread. It's like so, reverse yeah. indigestion with bruising. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't get that while eating. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fair enough. But you are a multifaceted uh, motorsports enthusiast because you worked in the off-road industry as well uh, at, at Randy's Worldwide and Yukon Gear and Axle. Mm-hmm. And you're, you've got an off-road project truck. I do. And uh, you've got a new project you just got, which we'll talk about in a minute. But how did you, what was your, did you just love all things automotive? I get that. But what drove you to the, the off-road side to begin with? Just the, the job and then falling in love with it as you did it? or? Yeah, I would say my first and truest love is road racing um, and asphalt surface driving. But I wanted to explore everything under the motorsports umbrella. Um, and really become more of an expert in my subject matter. And I didn't feel like I could fully do that unless I understood at a deeper level the demographics behind each of these different facets of the industry. Um, And so when I moved back to Seattle from Phoenix after I left uh, Bondurant, I started my own business for a little while and then ended up here at Dirtfish. And that's when I really was exposed to the rally community for the first time and off-road racing in general. Um, And it was just like this whole other side of the world that I loved being opened up. And after leaving here after a couple years, um, yeah, I got more interested in what else I didn't know and could and should master in order to continue pursuing my dream career in the industry. And so doing marketing for aftermarket support in the off-road community um, kind of fell into that. What is your dream career then? What I'm doing now. Oh, I yeah. wondered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I identify. We don't know if Forza is going to take off yet. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> we don't know if that's a thing. It's one of the greatest racing games yeah, of all time. So, yeah, so yeah. you know, we don't know yet. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's interesting in the fact of loving motorsport and then just going out and trying to figure out like if you have a passion for other parts of motorsport. Like you said, you love the asphalt. Mm-hmm. You know, you came here. Did you did you get a passion for rally after that? I would say. Or did you have it before? I guess you came here. I would say, let's see. My truest passion is for, like I said, asphalt road racing. Um, 
I have a defensive appreciation and protection for all forms of motorsport after being here. Hmm. Um, so I don't actively participate in rally myself, but absolutely would try rally cross um, or getting into rally. I think the only thing that stopped me is just the financial barrier. Yeah. Um, but it's not for lack of interest by any means. That's what stops most of us from a lot of motorsports. Yeah. <laughs> Even at an entry level, it's like, I mean, you can take anything, you know, you can take any car and go do a basic rally thing. But I'm, I'm worried that I would be hooked and then it would be like that, just that funnel of cash would go. Right. <laughs> How many car parts? listening today, you're just supposed to go out, keep your engineering job and rally your own personal car until you have the money to buy your own rally car and then you rally. They said it. It was very I, simple. <laughs> totally simple. Super easy. Super easy. I unless, mean, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Unless your daily's an F-150. You can rally that. Yeah. I mean, especially off-road rally. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. There was somebody out here rallying a Raptor. Yeah. Like in Rallycross. Like nice. It is a thing. But I'm... It's sort of funny. I had a similar experience in motorsports. So I grew up loving motorsports. Like I was one of those guys that liked anything with any kind of sports car. And then motorcycles, I grew up with those too, so I loved that. The older I got, the more I realized that I was less interested in actually doing motorsports and still loving them, but it was actually the exploration is what I love. And so for me, like when I buy even a street car, and I've had a lot of sports cars because I love being on the road, I don't, I don't actually have the overwhelming desire to take to the track, even with my Z06, which was like, was like why aren't you going to the track? I'm like, because I would rather put 40,000 miles on it in a year and explore all the places I haven't gone. And they're like, huh. Okay. <laughs> You're a different one. Yeah, yeah. It takes people a while to get that with me. I love building projects. I always yeah. have. I think that's always been my thing. I, it's, you know, I, I love getting on the road. I love driving. Mm -hmm. I love doing that. But I think it's... The idea of collecting all the parts and creating something that's and mine. you're very good at it. Yeah, <laughs> I thank you. I appreciate that. No, I, re I really mean you it. You know, yeah. um, I, I I love that, and I think that's and I think that leads to me being able to help others, and I think that's what led to us doing this. But, yeah. You know, but this is not about us. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I would love. To, I wanted to talk to you about uh, both your project truck and your project car. I'll start with the trucks. You've had that longer than I yeah. can't wait to hear all about your new project car. So tell yeah. us about He's the project excited. truck. Too I many am. pits. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. So the project truck. Uh, we'll go back maybe eight years or so. Um, I've always loved square body trucks. And oh, the yeah. first vehicle I learned to drive was uh, roughly 1986 Chevy Scottsdale edition back on my grandparents' farm. Um, my grandpa taught me to drive that so that he'd have somebody um, manning the vehicle while he walked around behind it and threw hay, hay into bales. the bag. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And so he'd sit me on a back when we had large phone books um he'd sit me on a phone book and he taught me to shift and he'd sit me in there and then i'd just putt around and he'd load the hay bales in the back i grew up in spokane and, and pullman in the palouse and like you'd drive through the palouse at, during harvest and like you'd either see a farmer out there who would literally put their their truck in gear and just let it go and then they'd throw bales or you'd see a grandkid out there just yep. like yep driving the wheel which yeah. is so cool that's how my mom yeah. learned to drive is it my, okay. my, my grandpa had a uh, farm in minnesota and she would do the exact same thing. He'd like get in the farm truck and then grandpa would throw the hay, hay bales in the back. Yeah, yeah That's exactly. So funny. That's Free what she remember telling you that. She was, I learned to drive in a field and get clicked in hay bales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've driven into a few fields on accident, but yes, I mean, that it has nothing to do with harvest. So yeah. <laughs> Plus one. yeah. That's, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a so, different so, off-road experience. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, um, it's funny. So it was a 1986 Chevy. C10. Right? Yeah. The C10. Scottsdale. Oh, yeah. Scottsdale. C10. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I can see that badge. Like, yep. that, oh yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so, so that's the backstory of my connection to this square body style of truck. Um, 
and I was walking around my neighborhood as a single mom with two kids in tow um, just to get some fresh air one night and I passed by this rental house down the street maybe two blocks away and I saw a blue um, a blue truck a square body truck and I was like oh god that's a good looking truck and I guess there were two guys working on it at the time that I I must have said hi to them and I remember talking about the truck, but I don't remember the guys that I talked to. And fast forward a few more neighborhood walks later, um, I noticed that one of the dads was kind of cute. And oh, oh. <laughs> not as much about the truck. Okay. Yeah, and I was like, okay. Oh, okay, so yeah. the truck's owner's kind of cute too. Um, we should get to know him. And Good truck uh, comes with a man. That's like, yeah, okay, okay fair enough. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, he had a daughter the same age as my oldest, and invited her over to have a play date and later i mean fast forward years bought the truck from him and uh married him so uh the title's in my name so but that's an interesting uh buying of a truck like mm-hmm. yeah. i'm gonna buy your truck but uh, you're coming with it yeah, yeah exactly for you. yeah okay. like buy one get one for free a few various different kinds of play dates later yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure well i mean it's nice when you can just walk down the street and find the perfect truck and the perfect man i mean who doesn't want that right i mean i need yeah. to start walking the streets more Minus the man part, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Hi, you're pretty. Do you have a truck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, that one worked out pretty well. Um. <laughs> and now you own the truck? And Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, both came with some problems, but nothing that can't be fixed. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. <laughs> they both leak oil, but I want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what have you been, so what was, what had been done to the truck and what are you doing to it now? Um, so I don't want to shit talk the previous mechanics since we still have a relationship. Uh, <laughs> it well, needed a lot of work. So the truck had been sitting in some bushes for, it sounds like a, a long time, mm-hmm. um, at least a decade. And so it's a, a true rust bucket and has a lot of issues. Um, he didn't do too much work to it that I'm aware of, but there's a lot that needs to be done at this point. Um, so I've completely stripped the interior and I've gone through the entire wiring harness was just a mess. Um, again, we'll, we'll pretend like all of these issues were prior to him getting the truck. Okay, totally. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're not blaming him. No. Yeah. But some of the electrical you looked at and you're like, how drunk was this guy when he like <laughs> tried to mate some of these Twist wires? Everywhere. She's in it's, there soldering wires going, he's good looking. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Come out here, spin yeah. and walk away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. Enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there weren't even twist connectors in some of the places. It was just like duct tape. Oh, yeah. And uh, wet duct tape. Anybody like, who's done oh a car God. stereo like in the 80s and 90s is familiar with the electrical tape or didn't have it, so just duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking? That's nah, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. House junction boxes behind the yes. desk. Oh, yep. I've seen it. Done that. The, yeah. The I mean, no, I've never done that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the stair doesn't work. A oh, literal house switch. Turn on the light switch. Yeah. 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 I've literally <laughs> seen a light switch do a starter before. Yep. Yeah. How do you start it? Just click the switch. Click the switch. Oh, it's an actual light switch. Click <laughs> the switch. Hold the heater button for three seconds. Yep. Only three seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Not a second more. No. So, so what's it? Yeah. Yeah. So what's the long term with this thing? 
Um, I wanted to restore it back to its original condition, uh, just for nostalgic reasons with the one I grew up with. Um, but that's kind of evolved. I, I would rather pick up that exact Chevy Scottsdale, the, the VIN number that I learned to drive on, and restore that to what it was. So this one's kind of taken shape as more of a resto mod. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. Is the yeah. Scottsdale still in the family? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, I've been looking for it for years, actually. Okay. And, I mean, I'm sure it's in a junkyard somewhere. So if I don't find it, I'll just pick up a different gold Chevy Scottsdale. Um and put I, that one together. I have a, a a Google search where you can actually use Google to give you updates when a new like search result comes up if you pick a specific term. And I've been looking for the exact VIN of my 86 944, hmm. 85 late model, um, 944, in case it pops up because I would buy it again. And this is a car that you used to own? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, my first Porsche. It was bought by some half-balding man and put into a pole. I guarantee you. That was the C63. <laughs> no, this one was that sold. Did, yeah, this true. one I saw it... Um, about 10 years ago in Edmonds. Mm. And it was my car. I know it was my car. And I know it was my car because at the time those things were worth nothing. So I did some, I, I added a rear Porsche crest to the rear of the car. Obviously not stock. I thought it looked cool at the time. Um, and so, but, but it was very distinct because nobody, you just didn't see it. Sure. And so I looked at it and then I looked closer and I was like, yeah, that's my red on tan. Like, and I had the red, really nice seats in it. The Porsche, the really rare option. They were cloth seats, but it said Porsche embroidered like into the fabric it wasn't like embroidered it was like part of the fabric it looked really cool so and i still haven't found it since so what i'm hearing is mm. if, you, if, if you're out there and you sell your car always keep a spare key because if you run into it in the future that's right maybe you'll borrow it yeah exactly. great point yeah i didn't steal it i have a key low bar to entry just yep. <laughs> well that year yeah exactly. no i don't know if you need a key yeah <laughs> yeah mobilizers what yeah yeah nice oh, interesting. Okay. 944 is a really divisive fan crowd too oh yeah people either love them or hate them well they're completely underpowered I mean, they're, they're really, they handle really well for what they are because they're a transaxle car, but they are overly difficult to work on being a transaxle car, like overly expensive to work on for what you get for speed. Um, but there's a joy to them. They're really comfortable, really comfortable cars to drive for very long periods. And when they do run, they run great. They just, they have no power. They're gutless as hell. When they run. And they run, they're relatively reliable because there's not a lot to them. But when you blow a clutch, you're, that's like, uh, that's not, so that's a week long job. Everything from the motor back comes out, so it's like I said, overly complicated to work on. And the timing belt requires a really special tool, which is a tension tool. You know the timing belt is in tension when you have this tool in there and you press against it until you tighten it, and then like the gauge reads the pressure amount against it. It's ridiculous. It's the stupidest thing. But it's weird. The Germans made something complicated. I know, right? <laughs> but I mean, you know, as long as you maintain them, you don't need you know standard timing belt every hundred thousand miles. Nothing special. So yeah. but anyway, I would still love to have it because I would. I, I'm not a purist. I'm going to resto mod the hell out of that thing and put a big ass turbo on it and swap the nose out. I don't give a shit. I'm making that thing mine again. I am not looking for my 1979 Ford Granada and Granny Apple. <laughs> um, just so we're clear. <laughs> Yeah. That's a nightmare that needs to die. I don't ever want to see it again. But yeah. Back to you. I did see you pull the interior out the other day. Like really pull it out. So that's cool. Yeah. The only thing I left in the interior is the original gauges, but the dash, carpet, everything has come out. Um, And I've got all the new carpet ready to go um, along with the sound deadening and insulation and everything and need to order a new bench seat. But yeah, it's fully taken shape as a resto mod now. So I'm doing quite a bit of black on the interior with accents of blue which is the original color so i'm keeping the original door panels um in their blue but then doing like the black elbow rest and um still the chrome accents on it 
And then in the engine bay, I've I've reworked a lot of things in there. Um, at this point, looking at the engine, I, I test drove it recently and I'm like, oh shit, it's smoking pretty bad uh, <laughs> out the exhaust. And that's not just any smoke, that's like white smoke. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, that plus a leaking rear main seal and a knocking rod. It's like, okay. Uh, LS swap. This is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you need to go back to the guy that sold it to you. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm like, man, you got to pay more than half your rent because this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay more. I got to fix that truck that you know what you did. Yeah. yeah fair, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. yeah but um, a backstory on that one is I've never worked on cars. So I fell in love with motorsports, obviously, from a young age. And this is just another facet of motorsports that I realized I know nothing about and wanted to get to master, um, or at least have working conversational knowledge in that area of it. So I, I was looking at this truck and I'm like, well, screw it. I guess I'm going to start learning now. Give me the Haynes manual. And um, yeah, it's been an adventure. And I do feel like it's been, it's armed me with a lot of knowledge and taught me a lot. And it it's really demystified how a vehicle works where before it was this gray area that I thought I marketed and, and love to watch from track side. But now I'll hear certain issues with a vehicle go by and I'm like, Oh shit, that car's shot. And, and I'll have an idea of what might be wrong with it. Um, and just, a, I would say greater appreciation too, for everything that goes into motorsports prior to a vehicle hitting the track. Yeah. That's that's such a great platform to start on too, because you yeah. get so much foundational knowledge when you work on a vehicle of that pre OBD OBD era. Because mm-hmm. um, simplicity, gas, yeah. fuel, air, yeah. But yeah. I mean, like all those, you get to see once you have once you've worked on a vehicle of that era, you understand how it evolved so much better. Like there's a there's a lot of relational knowledge you get from working on anything older that's so important. And now that we, you know, it's funny our Honda monkeys, which we, we laugh. Nick and I were looking at big bore kits for the Honda Monkey because of all the things we actually would want to spend money on and get it out of, it would be mm-hmm. like a big bore kit for a monkey because we're so freaking large and we're riding tiny bikes. But we're like, hmm, 170cc big bore. But then we got a dual overhead cam, so we need to split the cases. Oh, we need a bearing press. We should get a bearing puller too. And we're like, we need these things anyway. I've never actually done that. I mean, I have gone and taken apart stuff, but like not to the extent of doing like a full rebuild. I really, I haven't. I've done, I could. I could probably swap the head out, no problem. I've got the right tools for that. But a lot of it is just patience, the space to do it, and learning Mm -hmm. as you go. And, like, there's a – I enjoy that journey of kind of figuring it out a lot. Nick and I are good at that together. I I think that's one thing. And you're a perfectly good example of it, the fact that we talk about It's like people go, oh, I want to learn about cars. Then go learn. I didn't know anything. I just – I started started taking things apart. And when I couldn't put it back together, I had to do more research until I figured out how it went back together. I would always take things apart, and there'd be one spring left. And, of course, that was the one spring you needed. But, you know, so – nightmare story. But, like, I mean, I had a a 1971 Ford F-150. And I I loved it because it taught me so much because I could literally climb under the hood and close the hood and work on it. But it was simplistic. (laughs) in the fact that I figured it out. It's like, okay, this is where my power's coming in. This is where my gas is coming in. Like, you look under the hood of a new car and you're like, oh, that's great, but I can't do anything with that. Like, it's yeah. not fun. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. You, kinda, you know, you've, you've totally gone, you said went out and you got the manual and, and you're going to teach yourself how to do it. I think that's cool. Yeah. Haynes Manual plus YouTube is yeah. amazing. Um, I, I definitely don't know how people did it prior to 
readily accessible information on YouTube and the internet, it would be a totally different story. But Love swearing. Yeah, yeah, because at this point, um, especially with an easy platform like we're saying with a truck like this, which I would recommend for anyone interested in getting into learning basic mechanics because of the simplicity, but um, yeah, it's just fantastic to have, have that reference readily accessible on the internet. I was at a car show a couple of years ago, and there was a guy that had an older truck, and he popped the hood, and there was a TV under the hood. Mm-hmm. And somebody looked at me and goes, why would you do that? And he's like, when you're wor- trying to work on your car, and you can watch YouTube videos right there, he goes, it's, he goes, I just I put a screen there when I was working, when I made the car, and he mm-hmm. goes, it just made sense to leave it there. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's cool. Yep. I have a mini <laughs> PC that I've just got sitting in a closet that's going in the garage, and a monitor, yeah. and it's for YouTube. That's the only reason it's going in the shop. Like, I'm not going to go sit out there in a lounger and watch TV. It's like, no, I need YouTube and I'm working on stuff. Yeah. It's so handy. Like, I, we did Benji's winch the other day. The winch install. Uh, did oh, a nice. fac- factory uh, factory winch bumper on his new um, Rubicon 392. I watched, like, five YouTube videos on it. And I knew every bolt size, every socket size, everything had to come off in what order. And even though it, it took a little while just to kind of get it in place, none of it was actually difficult. And you have the, all your fingers, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I actually got like a cut there and one there, but I mean, that's just working on cars. But it was yeah. it was so refreshing to have that, like just be preloaded with that knowledge of like, even even though there's still stuff to figure out, it's not going to not be challenging. But it's like, no, I know how this works. I know how all this goes together and how all it comes apart. I know all the tools I need. Like... Yeah. So this is your project. So the previous mechanic doesn't get to work on it anymore. No. And so that was, uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was something that we figured out before I bought it. Um, <laughs> I can be I can be a little stubborn. Um, I'm not sure if that translates, but it probably does. Um, <laughs> so I yeah, I tell you, you're wrong, but I don't think it would go over well. No, we we would fight. <laughs> yeah, see, parking yeah. lot. <laughs> you're not stubborn. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he is He is not allowed to touch it. Um, he's not allowed to tell me what to do on it. If I have a problem and I'm out there cussing and throwing things. Um, he comes out, he gets YouTubing. to twirl, and he gets to go back in the house. Yeah, basically, like, I'll hear the door open, and I kind of glare in that direction, and you just see him, like, slowly back away. Uh, maybe throw some chocolate at me. But, I brought yeah. chocolate and wine. Feed the garage monster and walk away. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, man. Yeah. Yeah. Smart, smart man. Yeah. yeah. No, but he he has been there if in the like two times that I've caved and asked for help um, or his opinion on something. Here's a breaker you know, bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm mad. This is broken. I think you broke it. So get your butt in here and fix it. <laughs> so yeah. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, yeah. I think that's going to be wonderful. Like, do you have a, and, and this, we never meet this, but do you look and you go, okay, I'd like to have this finished by this time? or is it? Yeah, yeah. That that timeline passed about two and a half years ago. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been finished uh, last year. Yep. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. As soon as I got the title for it, I, in my name, was like, okay, you know what? I hear all this bullshit about people taking too long to, <laughs> you know, rehab cars and get them back on the road and I'll do it within a year. So I gave myself a year deadline, and that was, yeah, three and a half, four And at the end ago. of that year deadline, I gave myself another deadline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now now there's really no deadline. It's It doesn't fit in my garage, um, and we're kind of at the mercy of weather in the Pacific Northwest, too. So, you know, as I have days off, and the weather lines up, and it's not too cold, 
and I have the parts I need, then I work on it. Um, Then you got that whole other life of being mom and working and all that. So it's like finding that time. Yeah. 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 It just kind (laughs) of, yeah, adds to a full plate. Um, But I do have a timeline on on the project car. Um, Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. What's the new? Since, since you finished the first project, uh, what's the next project? <laughs> yeah. yeah I this have. is very common in motorsports. Well, I didn't finish that one, but I should start another one. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. As soon as I posted that I was picking up a new car, I had a friend online message me and was like, oh, so you finished the project truck? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> About that. <laughs> Sitting right behind the new project. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, in my defense, this one fits in the garage, so I can maximize hours throughout the year, but... Um, this one is a 1976 Fiat 124 Spider Sport 1800. So really cute, um, like endearing old, old project car um, with the convertible top. Why? Why did you go for that car? What what drew you to that? Uh, the price. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. So I've been I've been looking for a third vehicle for a while, um, just because I I wanted one. Yeah. Um, as we all do. And so I'd primarily been looking at like American muscle cars and wanting something that I could bring to the track, but also autocross, potentially rallycross. And so I was really looking at like a Volkswagen hatchback or maybe a Mustang. Um, and, and I'd been test driving Mustangs recently too. Um, Again, the old mechanic hopefully doesn't listen to this and doesn't find out that I've been test driving Mustangs. But um, <laughs> do I hear third project car? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably not far behind at this You're point. You're gonna need a shop. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. So the shop plans are in the works. Um, we're trying to figure out where on the property to put the shop. Right Wherever now, it's out of sight from the street. Yeah. yeah. There's some really nice new ones at PGP. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in Those there and I I just want to stay here. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah, but um with this car, the yeah, honestly the price. Um looking at Mustangs and stuff, if I wanted something reliable, then the price is significantly higher. Um if I wanted something newer, the price is significant significantly higher. And I had kind of a predetermined budget set in my head of what I'll allow myself to spend on a second project um, before the first one's even running. So I found that the vintage cars were were going for more reasonable prices within a certain time frame. And I'm a sucker for Datsuns. So I'd been looking at those um, pretty heavily as well and just ran across like the MGs and and the old spiders and this one was at the right price um it's ugly as shit the color and i think that that's what drove the price down and um nobody wants this I'll hey you it. don't drive the color if you're, no. if, you're, if you're driving a race car you don't drive yeah. the color you just drive the car so. yeah exactly um which exactly right so this one the the color is hideous. Um, it, it was covered in dirt and dust from sitting for a couple decades. But I found out that the second, so let's see, not the previous owner who bought it and then let it sit, but the owner before him was actually a Fiat mechanic. Um, yeah. So that was really interesting. So I'm like, okay, this car was probably taken care of in a decent manner. 
and found out that the engine had been rebuilt and was still the matching number, but had about 10,000 miles on it. And at two grand for a freshly rebuilt engine and the majority of the components working and electrical issues going on, which I'm pretty confident in and particularly interested in anyways, um, I thought, why not? Like yeah. This is a pretty low bar to entry for getting into vintage racing, and it meets the qualifications for going into Sovereign um, per their rule book. So, so you're making a race car. I mean, you're, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. This, you're not going to restore this back to an, a, an original kind of car. I am, only because for vintage racing, they're specific that it has to be a period correct oh, okay. restoration. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, I yep. know that. Yeah. yeah, so you can only use components that were available at the time. Ah. Um, of that vehicle's existence or like first manufacturer. So what does this one need right off the bat? Like where, where, do you, where oh are you starting gosh. with this project? Paint job. So, well, I mean, where are you starting with the project, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. Um, so this one does literally smoke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's Italian. They all smoke. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Period. <laughs> yeah, correct. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are two ashtrays in it, which is are. very yeah. appropriate. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've only spent about maybe two hours working on this one so far. I just got it home on on Wednesday, so about four days I've owned it. Um, should probably insure it, actually. That's a good side yeah, note. 30 days, but yeah. yes, you should. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but yeah, I worked on it for a couple hours last night just to get a feel for the engine bay and how everything's interconnected, see what's different between this and the project truck I've been learning right. on, yeah. and kind of start an initial to-fix list. Um for both projects, I have little composition notebooks that stay with the car, and it's just a running tally of what I've worked on and where I was when I last tore something apart so That's that I really can smart. pick back up. Yeah, because you never know um, in the project car hobby world, you never know if you're going to keep working on it the next day or six months later. And I caught myself having to spend time figuring out where I left things. And so I'm just keeping like like doctor's office notes. Yeah, a log. Yeah. Yeah. I started doing that when I when I worked on the monkey when I put it all uh-huh. back together and forgot to put the exhaust back on and started it. That was yeah. So that <laughs> learned that one. That we <laughs> I was like, this sounds different. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, I should take notes. <laughs> I'm laughing. I have done that with oh, motorcycles yeah, yeah, before. Oh, yeah. Where I, I, I so my RC51. Yep. I had take that was pretty common for me to take the exhaust off and on mm-hmm. and clean and everything like that after especially after riding in the rings and that bike I rode all the time. And I did that one time. I fired it up with the with the front header off, and I was yep. like, "Gah!" Yeah, <laughs> like, it fired right up, and I just turned it right off. But it was, yeah, that was a monkey. Kind of sounds like a bubble machine, <laughs> but you know, still, yeah, that's funny. just so we're clear. I tend to work on my bikes in my apartment, so um, it was really loud. <laughs> so yeah, in your apartment's garage or like no, living no. room? In my living room. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a small bike. It's, it's a very perfect. small bike. Yeah. Yeah. Gets great looks when I'm in the elevator and people, I'm like, yeah, it's a bicycle. <laughs> this is my emotional don't support go to, bike. Don't, yes. don't go to the office. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, exactly. When I, piece, uh, move along. When I first got my dual sport uh, about a year ago, I we had a garage, but I brought it into the living room yep. and yeah. I slept on the couch that night near my bike. And stared at so, it. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I, I yeah. What was your yeah. dual sport again? You've told me before, but... Uh, uh, it's a Kawasaki uh, KLX 230S. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Nothing... I mean, it's nothing fancy. It's it's definitely that's not the kind of bike that you put as, like, your social media cover photo, but um, 
it gets the job done. And that was another new area for me was street writing. So this one was lower um, being the S it's, it's got a lower seat height for female writers, but when I dump it, because it's inevitable, um, it was also lighter so I could pick it up by myself and get out there. I am the older I've gotten, and I've I've always felt this way, especially working in the industry, but like there's so, there's way too much, um, bragging in motorcycles, especially motorcycles because bragging. Yeah. Like you guys, um, Mm. we get so many people where I have like kind of had to talk them down from the ledge. I'll get a new rider in. They want to start on a 600, usually a military guy. It's going to be honest, being where we are is always a military guy with his new money and he wants to get a bike. And I'm like, have you ridden a motorcycle before? Do you realize how fast a 600 is? Like, I know they look cool. Trust me, I do. But, like, there is no point in my entire life where I've ever needed a leader bike. I've had tons of them. I don't need the 450 I have for my dual sport. I just prefer it. But there's this, like, and we go back to this over and over and over again. Yeah, you're preaching to me whose second bike was a Hayabusa for a day and a half. Right, but I mean, like, the most... Oh, yeah. Scared the crap out of me, sold the bike. The most fun (laughs) we have on bikes is small bikes. It's the monkeys. And... Everybody, I tell you, start small because you'll have way more fun, period, because the bike is easier to throw around. If you've never ridden before, get an RC390. Get a dual sport 230. That's what I told everybody to do is get a small dual sport because it's way more fun to ride. If you tip over, you're like, ah, I fell over. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, my God, my leg's broken in five places and I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which happened all the time right at the end of the parking lot where somebody would loop it as they left the dealership. Sure. So, no, I was just thinking, like, when we go riding off-road and you're into the off-road stuff with you, your, your main F-150, your main truck, mm-hmm. um, like, come along, bring the kids, have a good time. You yeah, can, that'd be can, great. Yeah. I picked up a bike for the kids, too, um, yeah. so that they could start getting into it. Most fun I ever had when I, was, I had my little Honda 50, man. I loved riding that bike when I was a little kid. Yeah, those like are the great. The best day of my life. I picked up a, well, we had a 50, um, but then I picked up a, a 90 last year for the kids and i think i ride it more than they do and See? it's so freaking so fun. fun yeah <laughs> mom can i ride my motorcycle now no <laughs> yeah. i was like no i'm testing it yeah i'm making sure Go it's race. safe for at least another three to four years yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I put a new lever on it it's gonna yes. take 100 miles yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there's a strict break-in process These it's are. obvious you don't understand motorcycles that's why your mother's helping you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly awesome yeah. so what is we always kind of talk about this, and I hate the question of, like, what's your dream car? But, like, what is the car that you wish you had? Like, it was, like, a daily, or or do you have it? Okay, so I have specific answers Excellent. to this. Yes. Um, there is a 59 Chevelle that I absolutely fell in love with. It's a, a Yanko Chevelle, and it's black on black. Okay. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Um, absolutely gorgeous. And as soon as I saw it in person years ago, I was like, oh, my God. I need that car. Um, it's a little pricey. Yeah. My, yeah. Uh, my it's that current. Yanko name at the end yeah. too that doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're pricey before. Yeah. 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 I watched it go across the the Barrett-Jackson auction block. Um, well, Yanko would be a 69, right? Not 59. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. That was like, weird um, that they sold your car to somebody else. I know. What a jerk. I mean. I, I know. Yeah. I mean, it should have just been gifted. But right. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Get them on the next one. Um, that would do it. But yeah, I think it sold for like, I can't even remember, but no, it's a rem- lot. I actually remember this car. Uh, so I know kid exactly and a, talking about. Yeah. a kid and a kid. Beautiful. Kind of tries. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Not, I think that one was 300. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say on the low end, it, it went over 220. I can't remember how high I got, but it was, it was, it was a, a good price. What, would, you, would you daily it? I, I mean, 
yeah, not to sound too fantastical, but I think that cars are meant to be driven. Yes, um, I agree. They're meant to be enjoyed and two seventy five. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, so so maybe after my project cars are done, I'll bid on that one. Um, no, I actually think that's I'll bid up to goal. like eight grand. They will never, you're never gonna bid on it. No, I was kidding. I, I'm yeah. saying like maybe I'll bid on that one. You, you said you said after your project cars were done. Yeah, it was a joke. So you're never gonna like, bid on it. <laughs> I, let me walk you through this it. joke. No, I, people look at those no, numbers no, and they, they hear those insane no. numbers and they, it's uh, no, that's a totally obtainable goal. Yeah. If that's really like what your absolute dream car is, I think, and I know that's an insane amount of money to spend on the car. Like I get it, but if that is your dream, like you can make that happen. I have a hundred percent faith in you because everybody, I, I've been that person so many times where I'm like, I've seen markets fluctuate. I have bought cars because I've been studying the market on those cars for like ten years. And so I'm like, it's going to drop, it's going to drop, and then boom. Then I grab it, I drive the shit out of it, and I sold it for what I bought it for, and it goes back up. Yep, yeah, exactly. So, and right now, like in muscle cars especially, are, are susceptible to that. Yeah. Because it's muscle like cars come down. They do. Yeah. They're insane. That's what I'm saying. Like they, they, Muscle car markets especially skyrocket to astronomical numbers and then fall like the 1930 stock market. They go into almost nothing, and then they come back up, and they've been doing that their entire lives. So cars like that that are 275 now might be 150 the next year. And then the next year they're back up to 350. Look at 911s. Yeah. And especially resto mods. Yeah. I look at nice cars or desirable cars like that, that are one-offs or one of ones um, as an investment opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that car is one that I would love to own and then hold on to and resell someday. Um, but I definitely have an interest in cars that are appreciating over time too. I mean, it, and like, like I think it's interesting when you can do that. When you can buy a car, you can enjoy it, you can do your thing with it, and then sell it. And really, even if you're out a few thousand bucks, it's still worth it. Like you know, yeah. the money you made by driving it. So, well, there's cars I know. Mm -hmm. Like I would have, I would if I timed it better. My 911 Turbo would have netted me profit upon profit if I sold it a year after I sold it. But yeah. I mean, I made money on my SD thousand. Um, I made money on my my Land Cruiser. I guess I broke even after mods. Oh so. yeah, you, you took you took that guy that but uh, totally. Bought the my Land friend no, bought it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we have yeah, we have dibs to buy it back. But yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, no, that's that's a that's a good way to buy cars if you just if you're patient enough, sure. you can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so Yanko Camaro, and I felt like there was another answer in there, maybe like Chevelle. Yanko oh, Chevelle. Oh, Yanko Chevelle. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um. No, that's totally fine. Um. There's quite a few that are specific. Uh, there was one here outside my office at Dirtfish when I was working here that I just instantly was like connected to. It was uh, Colin McRae's 2000, what, 2008, 2004? Uh, but it was the number four Ford Focus RS. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know that yep. car. Yeah. yeah, with the Telefonica yep. on the side. Um and that one I watched be sold a couple years ago. I think that one went for around 220-ish as well and actually ended up being sold back to M Sport. Has it now? Um, in their lobby over so on cool. the other side of the pond. I would love to own something like Vintage Rally, like Subaru. And I know I would I'd take the tickets and I would just drive the damn thing to the store. I, would, yep. I just think it'd be amazing to have the opportunity. That's so. actually a yeah. great topic right there. I was talking to uh, Steve Rimmer about yeah. this um, and the fact that 10 years ago, nobody bought vintage rally cars. Mm -hmm. Like they were a dime a dozen, like, you know, 
20 grand and you could have yourself like Tommy Mackinan's, you know, um, his Evo. Mm-hmm. And, it, but now they're like, you know, they're hundreds and hundreds of thousands and they're only getting hotter. I think that is the new hot market as people mm-hmm. are finally starting to notice how cool those cars are. Like, but I mean, you can still get like a, um, an Audi Quattro, an original Quattro. And those are 45 to 80. I've looked, but I mean, that's a rising market. Those things were worthless. There's like less than 5,000 of them. Well, I think one of the things I love about all the rally cars that are here is they're driven. These cars oh, are yeah. driven. I mean, mm-hmm. they may not be taken out and beat and, and, and stone chipped like they used to be, but they're driven. And I think that's the, like, and we agree with you too. It's like, if you're going to buy a car, especially if you're going to spend that money. Yeah, I'm going to sleep in the garage and stare at it, but then mm-hmm. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to drive it. Like mm-hmm. That's the whole point. So, yeah. 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 There's a soft spot for motorsports vehicles. Um, so my dream garage includes like groupie rally cars or cars that have been driven by someone historically relevant to the heart of the motorsports community. Because um, I think that those are things to be cherished. And mm-hmm. I view my dream shop as my own museum of things that are meaningful to me. That's amazing. Yeah. I think that's, it's always interesting to talk to people in motorsports and it's like their garage. It's like, you know, there's, you know, cause in my garages there's, there's vintage triumph stuff and, and bikes and cars and things like that. And definitely rally cars. But, and some people always think when you think of a dream car garage, you got to have Lamborghinis and Ferraris, which are great, but yeah, I think everybody's dream car garage is our cars. It's like, either they're going to sit there and you're going to look at them. Like I remember when actually, I think it was Forza did that where you could buy cars and you could just walk around your garage and see all the cars. Like, and I did that a ton, didn't own any of them, but it was fun to do. like, and we all want to do that, but I think I want cars that are driven. So that's amazing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The, the cars that are like first off the production line and have 17 miles on them just don't hit the same for me. Um, as a car that has, you know, a couple thousand miles of dirt and gravel it's underneath seen some it. some life. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah for yeah. sure. Well, nothing kills a car faster than not driving it. True. Yeah. Like, they, sure. just, they just fall apart. They're meant to be driven. Yeah, absolutely. So if people have cars out there that aren't being driven, the three of us just will gladly us, come to your we garage. Will take care we of We will it. drive your cars for you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Especially if it's yeah. a 69 Yanko Chevelle. There you go. You've got to find that car. <laughs> yeah. Do you know where it went? No, I don't know where it is right now. <laughs> Knowing you, I feel like you'd be like, okay, this person so bought it and this. A Yanko yeah. Chevelle is not going to be a hard car to no. track. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. You put it in that bin and that's going to be like, yep. And yep. it's probably just going collector to collector, which they often do with cars like that. But probably. very cool car. Yeah. yeah. There's a replica that used to come to Exotics mm-hmm. and it was like bolt for bolt replica. Beautiful car. But I was actually glad it was a replica because it was basically the same car and I got to see it driving around and I don't ever get to see the real ones driving around. <laughs> so. Oh, beautiful. I want to yeah. go back a little bit to your, your career now and you are at Forza, correct? Yeah. 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 So I'm a licensing manager for the Forza franchise. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, so I contract inbound content for use in our array of products. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So cars or other things that you see in the game and things like that. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. Any, any area of intellectual property that is owned or partially owned by someone else. Do you um, love, do you enjoy that? I, I absolutely love what I do. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I think, I mean, we have obviously run across a lot of people that have worked at for us and things like that or in Microsoft or mm-hmm. in gaming. And it's just, there's a there's a love there for, for mm-hmm. the automobiles and motorsports. I think anybody that, that works there, so it's it's always fun to see. But that sounds. Yeah. How did you end up there? Um, so if we go earlier in my career, back when I was at Bondurant, 
I met a couple of guys that were working for the Forza franchise and one of the gals that was working in licensing. And I was instantly drawn to what they did and quickly identified that that would be my dream job someday. And so over the next, I was in my very early 20s at that time, Um, but over the next like eight years or so, I just continued to bounce around different facets of the auto industry and continued to build up my my knowledge base um, in order to get to a place where I felt like I was a subject matter expert and could truly step into the role that I wanted and be confident about what I was doing. Awesome. I mean, like they're saying, forget what your dream is and hunt it. I mean, that's the, yeah. the ultimate thing. That well, sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. For, for many, many of our listeners who are huge Forza fans, the, the depth and the reality of the game is a lot of the licensing and making sure the products you see in the game look like the products that you want on the shelf and you want to see in your car. And so you have her to thank. They do. <laughs> <laughs> thank her you. Team. Well, her team to thank. I don't play video games. I, I know there's more than one thank of you. you. Yeah. 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 There, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I would say it's it's like a race car. So there's so many different hands and skills that go into prepping a race car for use on the track. And usually the driver is the one that gets the glory. But, you know, he wouldn't be there on the podium if it wasn't for the mechanics, too. So um, I think of, I guess, any business in the same in the same way where everyone's important and is contributing to this machine that's, um, yeah. All, all helping. Race car driver's great, but if the mechanic didn't fit the, fix the car, the car didn't get there, you can't win. Yeah. So yeah. I get you. Very yeah. Cool. I am um, one of my um, old coworkers, I guess I would call him, um, and still someone that I keep in touch with occasionally is Johnny O'Connell. Um, he's the, the winningest Corvette race driver yep. of all time. Um, and we had this conversation once years ago and and he said something like, I, I love what I do and I love winning races, but if if my pit crew didn't put the tires on, I wouldn't be there. Yep. Um, and so it's a win for all of us, not just for me. And that always stuck with me. And I've applied that that line of thinking to different areas of life too. That's awesome. And it's neat that you get to be a part of that team and you, you, know, you figure yeah. out what you want to do. And that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, shout out to him. I had his shocks on my C6 Z06. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's that was like I was like no Dan stole them I, off. I, of his I, I was no. literally <laughs> like go through. I quickly went into my receipts. I was like, were those O'Connell shocks I had on that? Yeah, they were O'Connell <laughs> shocks on my C6 Z06. Yeah. Fair enough. And they were fantastic. <laughs> oh, good. Good. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Handled great on the street. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, um, thank you for joining us for an, a great episode for Women's Month. Um, thank you for be- all the work you do in Forzik because we get to appreciate the fruits of your labor. <laughs> and thank you for taking time because we literally just went out there and pulled you off of the... <laughs> well, we, yeah, we were having fun. We had so to reschedule because yeah. I got sick. So <laughs> no. be- thank you for being so flexible. Yeah, yeah absolutely. we looking forward to talking to you a lot. And so we look forward to uh, making fun of your husband someday for his wiring work. <laughs> oh, we're calling <laughs> him? <laughs> no, I thought it was just the ex-mechanic. Yeah, the ex-mechanic. <laughs> we're working, yeah, making fun of the ex-mechanic. Yeah, crap. No, Thank you. It was really nice. Good. Excellent. Uh, for this episode of the Avance Podcast, as always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.